In this episode of The Interface, I chat with Bianca Harper-Kelly, Marketing and Communications Coordinator for Amphenol Fiber Systems International in Allen, Texas. Bianca has been with Amphenol FSI for almost two years and is relishing the challenge of helping spread the word on the benefits of working with FSI. We talk about her journey to Amphenol from high-level college basketball to the Air Force ROTC program to morning radio before finding a home at FSI. Along the way, we talk about overcoming adversity, we talk about the importance of time management, and we talk about taking a career leap of faith when inspiration strikes in the form of a captivating leader. This is The Interface. All right, Fiber Systems right. International, Allen, Texas, Woo-hoo. just outside of Dallas. So how, is, how has your time been there so far? I know you've been there a little over a year now, right? Almost two yeah. years? Almost, well, two years, July of next year, so about a year and a half. It's been amazing, honestly. Um, it's been a roller coaster ride, but a good one because I love roller coasters. <laughs> um, but it has been just jumping the, I mean, I just dove right in. I mean, it was something, a completely new type of business. I've never worked in manufacturing. I've never worked in, you know, a lot of the uh, engineering, elect- electrical engineering, manufacturing engineering. I've never stepped foot in anything like this before. Um, so it was just kind of, jumping in and figuring things out but it has been it has been a great ride so far i'm glad to hear that and i'm sure the people at fsi and ben and others are going to be glad to hear that as well um (laughs) because it is i'm with you it is very unique to uh your background there's really nothing that i think has probably prepared you for this um at least from a a a knowledge standpoint and i'm not saying that you can't understand it but just your background and the stuff that you've done in the past, like myself, very similar. Like I had no idea what stuff was. Yeah, technicality-wise. Yeah, I, I certainly understand and appreciate the feeling, but we'll go backwards a little bit, and then we'll catch up to this. So you're from, you're born and raised in Texas, correct? I was born in Oklahoma, actually. Oh, you're, most of my okay. life, yeah, most of my life was in Texas. And the San Antonio area. Yes. And you were from, I don't even know how to pronounce it. New Braunfels. Okay, so it's like it looks. Yes, except yeah. a lot of people like to say New Braunfels and throw that extra S in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. New New Braunfels. All right, yeah. just outside of, I think it's like northeast of San Antonio. Yeah. Home, home of Schlitterbahn, the rivers that everybody likes to float. I'm going to probably do, anyway. if anyone from Texas ends up listening to this, they're going to think I'm just a moron when it comes to <laughs> what I know about Texas. <laughs> you don't so, know New Braunfels? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know New Braunfels. I know San Antonio, um, and I know Allen because I've been to your facility, and I know Dallas a little bit, but you went to high school at New Braunfels, played basketball, correct? Played basketball, softball, volleyball, soccer, you name it. And speaking of names, what was the new Braunfels nickname while you were there in high school? Well, our mascot was and still is a unicorn. Love it. Love it. That might be the best in the country right there. Google it. Google it. New Braunfels unicorns. That is it. The mighty fighting unicorns. How did that come about? You try showing up to a gym, you know, intimidating when everybody says, oh, we're playing the unicorns today. Yeah. So that was a. That was interesting growing up as a unicorn. I will say that. How did that name come about? Like, I'm fascinated with this now. So from what I've read and what I've heard, and this you know could be urban legend. I'm sorry, New Braunfels, if this is totally not true, but this is what I have been told, is that when the original New Braunfels town seal was made, 
they had animals on it. It's a small German town. Uh, they had a horse and a lion and maybe a bear. Um, but from my understanding, the paw of the lion or one of the other figures was behind the head of the horse. Mm-hmm. And so the claw was sticking out and they mistook it for a unicorn. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So you were quite active in in high school athletically what were your interests as far as academics or what were you what were you into in in high school before you went to college does lunch count yeah lunch and recess were probably my favorite subjects as well and gym gym yeah lunch recess um i actually really did love math and science Mm -hmm. those were two of my favorites uh maybe because it just it just came to me it clicked reading was definitely not my forte I'm not sure how I made it through high school and into college, but yeah, math and science were my strong suits. I don't know about intriguing to me as so much as those were my easier classes for me. Well, and you've kind of come back to that, I guess, in a way at FSI now. I mean, you're into fiber technology and math and science involved with all that because I don't even know where to begin with the fiber optics world. I know I've been to your facility a few times and they talked me through it, but I just kind of nod like I understand what they're saying half the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I did when I first started. I was like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) bomb, bomb. So it took me a while to realize we actually don't build explosives. It actually stands for something completely different. So that was, yeah. Yes, it's a bill of materials just in case anyone's wondering. Yeah, in case anyone's wondering, we're not actually doing that. You leave New Braunfels and you go to Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Am I pronouncing that right? Sorry, it's Waco. (laughs) Waco. Yes, Yes, Waco, Texas. Yes. So tell me about your time there, because I know you had quite an interesting time at Baylor. Yeah, so I went there. I originally wanted to be a Marine, so I did Marine ROTC in high school, Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized I could make a career out of sports and go get my education. Um, so I got a, actually blew out my knee a couple times and I shouldn't say blew out, but had a couple of knee surgeries in high school. Um, Baylor offered me a full ride academically for me as the first person in my family to go to college. That was a no brainer. I'm going to take the free and it, and it was a great institution. I went to go visit it. Everything just seemed to fit. And I had a couple conversations with my high school basketball coach that let me know that, you know, Walking on or redshirting is is also an option at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went ahead and took that option just because I knew if I took an athletic scholarship, the chances of my knees giving way or lasting the whole way through were slim to none. And I couldn't risk losing a scholarship and forfeiting my education. So that's how I ended up on the basketball team. And I actually started as changed my major a few times at Baylor. Um, I started as a business major and realized in the ROTC program that I may not be able to be on the front lines, but I want to be a pilot. And that's Mm. something that I wanted to be when I was, I watched Top Gun when I was like eight years old. And so I was like, all right, well, this is the next best thing. So I switched to aviation science and jumped into the Air Force ROTC program at Baylor while playing basketball. And so I was pretty swamped between (laughs) workouts, but I knew that Becoming a fighter pilot in the Air Force is a very, very hard program to get into, which then snowballed into me becoming the ROTC. We have a Blue Knights drill team there at Baylor, and I ended up becoming the commander of it. I wanted it to look good on my resume, and I ended up falling in love with it more than I thought I would. What did you fall in love with? Just, I think the whole military aspect, marching was a big deal for me. I 
I, I don't know why most people hate marching. I loved it. I loved calling out the cadences. I loved carrying the rifle. I loved wearing a uniform. I loved, you know, the rifle, the different techniques that we learned, and then just being so submerged into the Air Force culture and just being proud of being part of something bigger than myself, what it meant to the ROTC program at Baylor, the history behind it, um, and just being part of something that had a lot of history tied to the Air Force, helping me get on that fighter pilot track. But yeah, that's what I loved about it. I'm sure it helped you a lot, but how much did it help you while you were in school? I mean, you're doing a lot of things now. You're playing for Baylor, which at the time, if I recall correctly, you guys were pretty good. I mean, won national championships or a ship. Yes, while I was there. Yep. Yeah. So that's a commitment. And then you have the Air, uh, the Air Force ROTC, which is a huge commitment and being part of this drill team. Uh, additionally, and then going through school and all your academics as well. I, I mean, that you, you were pretty busy. Uh, I was hungry. You I were. To, yeah. yeah, I was very hungry, much like I am today. But yeah, I was hungry. I wanted to do something. I wanted to make a name for myself, for my family. And everything just fell into place. I didn't get very much sleep. Um, but it was totally, totally worth it. You know, the end result and where I am today, I think is all the hard work has paid off, you know, doubly, triply. I, I don't regret it for a second. So what happened then when it came time for the Air Force afterwards? So I, I guess it was my junior year. I blew out my knee. Uh, so basketball was no longer on the table again. So I was prepared for that. It was, that was a difficult transition knowing that my basketball life and career was over because right. I had planned to, you know, go to WNBA or play internationally. And my knee injury was just so severe that there was, I mean, there was no, there was no coming back from it, but the air force was like, you know, rehab, we, you know, we have a, we still have a spot for you. We can do this. And then I found out that I was expecting my first child. So that took a lot. Uh, that was a big surprise. That was kind of a, I could no longer be a fighter pilot at right. that point, basically. Yeah. So that changed course. So I now switched my major again and I thought, you know what, let me try, I'm going to try communications because the aviation science building was right next to the communications building on campus. And I had seen a lot going on there and been in and out and heard friends and different groups that just happened to love the program. And I was like, okay, well, let me give it a shot. And I had to take an intro to communications kind of basic class in the business field. And I will never forget my professor, uh, Scott Barda and Matt Gerber. I had them for an intro to communications and like a debate type class. And they are the ones that hooked me into the communications program. And that's how I went from Baylor basketball and Air Force ROTC <laughs> drill team commander and aviation science to communications. And I think I'm actually better at this. I'm better with my words than I think I am. I mean, that's a radical change. What was it that those two professors, what did they say or do that you went, oh, wow, I really like this? Well, one of them actually wanted me to be on the debate team. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, I'm like, you know, I had that mentality of I'm a jock. We don't do we don't do debate team kind of thing. And they're like, no, like you really should look into the debate team. You know, maybe even have you thought about pre-law? And I was like, no, that's a that's a lot of reading. I don't understand why people <laughs> keep wanting to shove books down my throat. But no, let's figure out another way. And so they introduced me to uh, Dr. Carbonara at Baylor, who was actually 
heavily he's heavily involved in the what is it simpty um which we do a lot of and it's weird how it all circles back together but they basically told me like you're really good at this um i ended up doing a corporate communications class and they just when i was having a tough time transitioning from where i thought my life was going to i instantly hit a brick wall you know when i found out i was expecting my first child in the middle of college mm -hmm. They gave me that support that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting to have that kind of support at a private, you know, Baptist university that, all right, you're having a kid, but we're still going to support you. We think you still have the talent. We think you still, you know, have the potential to be something great. Here's where we think you are better suited. And I think they were correct. <laughs> it's heartwarming to hear that you got really good career and life advice from, from your university. So I'm sure that meant a lot. And still does. So you're then in the communication side. You're, I don't know if it was while you were still in college or just afterwards, but then you went to intern and work for Jody Dean. Jody Dean in the morning. I did. So that Dr. Carbonara, he actually, uh, he's heavily involved with Sony and CBS. And he just happened to mention to me that CBS radio in Dallas was doing a, interviews for internships. And I was like, what? That sounds cool. That sounds right up my alley. I'd love to be on air. Maybe I could turn this into a sports commentary and, you know, get the best of both worlds and do communications and tie in my sports. So I applied just on a whim. And about a week or two later, I got a call and I drove to Dallas. It's right. The CBS radio uh, tower off of 75 and Fitzhugh for all you Dallas people. <laughs> And I showed up. I was the only person that showed up that was not from the DFW Metroplex. It's about an hour and 15 minute, hour and a half drive from Waco to the uh, radio station. And two weeks later, I found out that out of everybody, I was the only intern that was picked. Wow, that's great. So yeah. now Jody Dean, I, I, I'll, I will be honest, I'd heard the name, but didn't really know him. Apparently, he is a Texas broadcasting legend. Um, yes. and you had the opportunity to work with him, does a morning show. What is it that you learned from him or at least being on his show that you don't think you would have learned anywhere else? Uh, time management, uh, was huge in it because okay. I had to be at the radio station by four forty-five in the morning. Um, at this point, my daughter was probably one. And so I was juggling life balances between, working at AT&T college, being a mom, and then finding the time to commute to get to the radio station by 4.45 for pre-programming, um, getting the list ready for what we were going to discuss on air, you know, the song sets, things of that nature. And then we were actually broadcast live on television, too. They had cameras in the oh, uh, sure. yeah. radio station. Yeah. So time management was huge in all of that. The show didn't end till about 9 o'clock in the morning. And then I immediately packed up, drove back to Waco, did what I need to do as a mom, jumped to my next class, came home. I was a mom and then I went to work. Same day repeat. And it was a whole semester of this. Towards the end of the semester, they offered me a job. That's great. Doing yeah. yeah. So how was that? It was a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. Too much of a blast though for a single mom at that time. Right. Which I, is, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So as much as I enjoyed it, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. It was something that I would definitely, you know, maybe when I'm, re you know, retired, 
get back into or somehow get back into the radio field long, long, way long down the road when I'm retired and trying to do it as like a hobby. But it taught me a lot about myself, taught me a lot about, I learned a lot about radio mixing, editing, you know, what they do for camera, um, video editing, just a wide range of different things. I learned a lot about myself with my personality and talking to people. What do you think you learned about yourself? That I was actually capable of a lot. I thought I had already stretched myself thin my first few years without a kid. And Mm -hmm. I learned a lot that there's even more that I can do and that the possibilities are endless. And, you know, I went from a business or an aviation science major to now I'm I'm live on air with Jody Dean, having a conversation sitting across from a a radio legend that if you put your mind to something and you do not quit, because I could have easily packed up and left Baylor right? when I found out I was having my child. And I knew if I packed up and quit, I would never finish college. I wouldn't, you know, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. And I would have just ended up back in my hometown, who knows, with working at Schlitterbaum, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I just, I wasn't ready for that. I knew that I was destined for bigger and better things. And I wanted to, you know, nobody in my family had gone to college, let alone graduated. And I was determined to finish and set that bar and be that example for my family, um, for myself, for my child. Because I knew even at one years old, they're watching, you know. Sure. I don't know if you have kids or not, but, you know, you know, they soak up everything. So it was one of those things that I just, I wasn't aware of what I was capable of until I was pushed to those limits and then I succeeded. Again, the, the, the fascinating thing listening to your story is the radical shift of going from this, uh, you know, this aerospace science, Air Force ROTC field of study and this huge shift over to this communication side, which is, it, it's really nothing to do with science. It's more about, I don't, communication. It's just learning how to, I guess, express yourself and express ideas in a way that is helpful for people. You know, to me, that, that that's a fascinating part of the story. I guess I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, that was one thing I guess I learned too, is watching him and attending the motivational speakings that he would do, um, hearing where he started, where he is at now made me believe, you know, wow, maybe I will have a story to tell one day and motivate or inspire somebody. And that's why I loved communications because not only could I put my degree to use, but then on the benevolent side is giving back and inspiring and motivating others who had maybe a similar past as I did, you know, the odds were stacked up against you, but you were still able to overcome and see the fruits of your labor and all of that. And it's just, I think that was a big motivator for me as well. And that's wonderful. And I hope that, you know, at least a few people listen to this and go, wow, that's something I needed to hear. Then you make this shift and work for Amphenol, this company that sounds like a drug company, a pharmaceutical company. that makes interconnect products that go into military and aerospace applications. How did that whole process come about? It came in another radical shift in my life. I had recently been, I recently gotten married and I decided, and my spouse decided that, you know, pull back for a second. You know, I was working for Meineke, um, doing business development, trying to get uh, hopped around to different Meineke's that were maybe struggling and trying to pull them back in a sales 
position because I worked for AT&T for uh, six to eight years, something like that, um, doing sales. And so I was well-versed in sales. Um, I, being in the communications, you know, major, it helped me out a lot to be able to communicate effectively. Um, but then the sales portion, I was able to understand the customer, no matter what the industry was and understand that, you know, what the customers are looking for and how we can better suit them. Mm-hmm. But that, at that point I wasn't, I didn't really feel like I was utilizing my degree and it was really frustrating for me to have worked so hard to get through Baylor and get that piece of paper. And it's like, well, what was the purpose of it? So I pulled away and I decided, I think it was like two days after we got married, I decided to start looking for marketing positions only, strictly marketing. Mm-hmm. And I was coming across a lot of those intro marketing or, you know, uh, kind of pyramid schemes where you ended up standing, you know, inside of a Sam's Club selling direct TV. Mm-hmm. And I did not, you know, I wanted to, I didn't want to get hooked into that. And I happened to be on Indeed and I saw the Amphenol position and I applied and I didn't, wasn't sure if anything was going to come about it. I was actually in the process of talking offers from another company when it popped up. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I, when it came up, I decided to do some research and I tried to find, you know, the website and (laughs) do my research. And I was like, oh, this is another pyramid scheme. (laughs) And I honestly almost didn't even answer the phone call for the phone interview. And my spouse was like, no, go ahead. Like, you just never know. You never know. So I was like, okay, I'll just, we'll give it a shot. Let's see what they say. Maybe they can explain to me that it's not a pyramid scheme. And I spent like an hour on the phone with Becky and I think I knew this was the place for me when I came in and I met with the GM here, Ben Mm -hmm. and his, his drive, his excitement, his, just his overall passion for what he does here, what AFSI does for the world where he wants to take AFSI, uh, the position as he explained it to me, it just, it was like this light came on and I said, this is it. I don't know what I'm going to have to do in these interviews or how I'm going to have to sell myself, but I'm going to figure it out because I'm going to get this job. Right. This right. sounds perfect for me. So how did how did Ben, Ben Reed, your general manager at Amphenol FSI, great guy, and you're absolutely right, super enthusiastic and loves talking about and selling his business, and he's great at it. So how did he sell you on, on the opportunity for you for this role? So he explained to me that the Marcom position, they basically have had nobody here in Allen doing Marcom for about three to four years. So they, it was a pretty open-ended position. We weren't sure where it was going to go, what it was exactly going to look like, but he knew that AFSI was growing and you can't grow properly without you know, the marketing, the updating of the data sheets. We need help apparently with the website uh, because you apparently, I mean, he brought back that I didn't even know that this was a real, a real gig based on the website. And, (laughs) but it was somebody, he, it was more about the person than it was the position Mm -hmm. and the way that he described with the kind of person that they were needing somebody that was, you know, a lot of drive is flexible but can take leadership, doesn't like being micromanaged, doesn't have to be micromanaged, can initiate projects on their own, can feel what we're looking for and understands what he's looking for and where the company wants to go. And in my head, I was like, I know you don't know my past. And I know you don't really, other than my resume, this is me. Mm, yeah. This is me. And it was like, 
it almost felt like the heavens parted and this was designed just for me. And it happened to just be within like a month or two of me deciding I want to start using my degree again. So you, you get to FSI and outside of the technical challenges, and I mean more from just the knowledge of, of the products and the technologies there, what was the biggest adjustment that you had to make going into an environment? I'm, I'm assuming a workplace that is radically oh. different because they, I, I don't want it, to, it might sound like they're not sure what to do with you. They're almost waiting for you to, okay, tell us what you want us to do. So, <laughs> yeah. so what was that? What was that like? What was the biggest challenge for you when you, when you first got in there? You know, first few Honestly, months. Yeah. The biggest challenge was how quiet it was in the building. <laughs> okay. That was the biggest challenge for me. I mean, you got me going from radio and in sales where all we do is talk. Yeah. And, uh, and all of a sudden it's crickets in here. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this will be, it's not crickets anymore. Um, I think we do a pretty good job of making some noise around here, but, um, other than the, the sound level, um, it was trying to define and build a strategy, you know, a marketing strategy, like where, you know, you had nothing for three to four years and it was trying to communicate with, you know, the Ben's, the, the Quintons, the Oscars, the market managers mm -hmm. and making sure that, you know, cause it does have, you know, more than one market. There's not just aerospace. It's not just land tactical and trying to figure out the best game plan that will fit each market but also fit AFSI as a whole, the branding, marketing strategy, where we stand in the industry, where we want to go, and how we're going to get there. I think that was the biggest thing to wrap my head around because there was no there was no plan. And it was just kind of thrown to me and it was like, here, we're glad you're here. You have free will yeah. to figure it out, which is great and the flexibility, but at the same time, trying to figure out the direction from each individual market when I knew nothing about any of this walking into it was probably the biggest challenge. So what do you think some of your early successes have been with that? I mean, in your year and a half or so, almost two years there, what, what do you, if you think about it go, I'm really proud of these things that we've done in my time here so far. So touching back on that website, our new website is actually tentative to go live today, as a matter of fact, oh, um, which I feel, timing. yeah. So that was a huge, uh, a huge endeavor trying to get that readjusted to where we look like a legit, a legitimate business because we are, and we want to be able to have information at the, you know, at the click of a button. Everything is so instant these days mm -hmm. that I want to make sure that we are, are efficient in that, Right. you know, up updating of the data sheets that hadn't been touched since I was in high school, you know, just trying to make sure that the brand that, you know, we're talking about when the market managers and Ben and everybody goes out and speaks to our customers, making sure that when they go to our website or they come to visit that that brand matches was huge. So I think a lot of the internal and culture building, I think has been a huge, a huge leap and success since I've gotten here, uh, the website, getting to where we feel we've torn down the walls within AFSI without physically doing it, if that makes sense. Sure. Where sure. departments, the culture is being built that we can all work together simultaneously. There's just so many fascinating and extraordinary people in this building. And to see the culture and the excitement being built, uh, what Amphenol FSI does is just 
extremely unique. It's extremely fascinating to know what we do inside this building. And I don't think enough people outside of these walls know that. And so updating the website was huge to make sure that they're aware that we're here and what we do is far different than competitors. And it's it's unique and that the people inside of it, that they match that, you know, uh, the people that we have inside these walls, you know, you have sales, you have, you know, planning, purchasing, and it was tearing down these walls to know that when we all work together and build that culture of team, that's the kind of people that our customers want to work with. You know, I did sales long enough to know that you want to buy from somebody that you trust. Yeah. And, and, and all of that from a communication standpoint, I mean, you could use yourself as an example, because I'm sure you're not the only one that may have looked at older materials and, and older websites and you go, ah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it's a perception thing. And mm-hmm. if they see that, they might go, ah, I'm not sure if I want to work with these guys. And I'm not saying that that's always right. And everyone feels that way, but it does happen. You, you're not the right. only one that feels that way, but you've had a chance now to work on, on, on making sure that things are branded right and message right and consistent, both internally and externally. And you talked about FSI being such a unique company and so different from, from other companies in, in the same industry. So I'll give you a chance now. If you were to give us your pitch on FSI and what they do and what makes them so special, how would you, how would you say it to somebody? I would start with the people. I think the people in these walls love the customer and are so customer-focused that to me, that's, it's almost lost in today's day and age because everything is with a click of a button. You know, you don't really have to interact with people. You know, you just go to Amazon. I don't have to go to Target or Walmart. I can go to Amazon and order it where, you know, everybody here is, I think, just thinks so far outside the box in every department that we're able to come up with unique solutions that far better fit different applications that you might need them for. But I think the people inside are what make AFSI. They're extremely hardworking. Um, I just, I've never been exposed to so many people in one building that do, that do so many different things in one building that can come together to create something for a customer and do it so well. It's becoming even more and more seamless and, um, that's just, it's very customer focused. It's the people. I think the people inside AFSI are what really truly make us different from everybody, from everybody else. Uh, you, you know, you can go build a connector anywhere just about in the world, but who do you really want to do business with? And I think it comes down to the people and the culture and that we do love our and put our customers first and that, you know, we're not just about the bottom dollar. We're about making sure that we give you everything that you need right the first time. It sounds like so far so good for you. You're enjoying this. You're enjoying this unique challenge. Loving it. Every day is a challenge. That's awesome. I love it. What do you think are some of the things in the future that that you're looking at that that you want to do, that you want to implement changes and not so much changes, but just uh, modifications to um, the way that you go about promoting Amphenol FSI or even Amphenol in general uh, to your customers? I think, again, it just ties back to making sure that letting the internal, internally letting our people know we're, we're a part of some great things, some exciting things. Let's get excited. And it's, I guess it's building that culture and talking about it. And, you know, 
now that we've got this culture base built, now let's go out in the world and let's talk about it. Because I think we've been hidden and off the radar for so long that now it's time to go let everybody know just how unique and how awesome the people and the products are that AFSI has to offer. That's great. No, and I'm, I'm hoping that the the new website that's going to be out in a couple of days works and hopefully maybe even to a smaller extent that people listening to this and and hearing for your your passion for Amphenol FSI and what you and and Ben and Quentin and Oscar and the rest in in Allen are working on to build that awareness and to get your name out there more and for people to realize how great of a a company it is to work with from a fiber optic solution standpoint. So I'm, I'm happy for you. So thank you. Thank you. Bianca, thank you very much for, for joining us on this too. I think it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Chris. Sure. No problem.